Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. Awesome. Hey, we're starting a new series this morning. We're talking about legacy, and as Pastor Ben mentioned, on the 15th of December, we're actually going to be taking up our legacy offering. So for us to actually partner with that, we need to unwrap what that is We need to actually own what it is to to have a legacy offering. What is it that we're actually sowing and partnering our finances into? So today we're going to start that series and we're going to start looking at what it is to leave a legacy. And I want to turn your attention to, I think on the slides you'll see it, Ephesians 4. And this is um, a scripture we encounter. Paul is in prison. He's not in a great situation, but he says this, Ephesians 4 verse 1. This is like the beginning of chapter four. It's like the opening line. It's like if you were to be like in theater and it was like the curtain is open and the, the, the leading part comes out, this is what he says and he's in chains. Just imagine the theatrics. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Father God, we enter into this time right now, Father God, coming into your word, believing that you want to draw out in us, Father God, something that will bring fruit over this city, over our lives, Father God. And so we submit to your word right now. We submit to your authority. And we just pray, let it come alive. Let our hearts be softened to hear, Father God, and our, our hearts be ready to be obedient to all that you have got in store for us. Paul's writing this to people who are not in prison. He's writing it as a prisoner, someone who's held captive. And he's saying, for all of you who are living a free life, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Now, if we were to take this scripture, we need to first be able to identify who is Paul in this moment. He says it in these these words, as a prisoner for the Lord. He knows who he is. He knows the calling that he's received. He's living a life worthy as a prisoner. Go figure. He's in prison living a life worthy of the calling that he's received in that moment. He knows who he is. And so for us to fully delve into having a legacy, being able to live a life worthy of the calling we receive, we need to know who we are. We need to know, yes, individually who we are. It's the first thing we need to do is we actually need to debunk the myth that I can be a good Christian but not be attached to the body of Christ. See, I know who I am as Emma. I know who I am as an individual. But do I know who I am in regards to my role within the church? We're going to talk about church today. We're going to talk about the body of Christ, who we are. We need to, we need to start thinking about, yes, individually who we are and together who we are. For us to actually partner into a legacy offering, to partner into paving a way for a legacy for the next, we need to understand individually who you are, what you give, but corporately, what are we doing? Like, who are we? What are we doing? Why do we, why do, we do the things that we do as a church? Do they line up? Does your individual nature and the nature of the body of Christ, is there synergy? Or is there a disparity between the two? Is there a divide? I've met so many people who have been like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I hate church. I'm like, what? So we're going to unwrap this a little bit today. 
We're going to start talking about what this is like. So we need to understand who we are. We are the body of Christ. Colossians 1, 24 says this. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church. On behalf of his body, which is the church. We are Christ's body. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you, speaking to the church, are Christ's body, and individually members of it. See, often we, we seek individualism in our Christian walk and we want to be like, well, this is just who I am, but I don't buy into, I don't buy into the corporate church, I don't buy into like, the organizational structure of church. I'm like, okay, just hold up for a second. That's, that's, that's logistics of, of one side of things, right? Let's talk about the body of Christ. Let's talk about what is it that we are as, as nature together. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ, the same body that was born in a manger, the same body that was hunted down to be murdered, the same body that went to the temple and learnt and was equipped in the ways of the word, the same body of Christ that was then turned away from his own city, the same body of Christ that then provided miracles to a nation and a generation that were hungry for it, that the same body that brought eyes to the blind, the same body that healed the sick, the same body that raised the dead, the same body that restored the prostitute, the same body that spoke into the brokenness of a whole nation, of a whole generation, and brought life. We are the same body that then decided to choose a life to follow the cross onto a hill, the same body that was then hung on a cross, broken for our transgressions, the same body then that died, that went to hell, the same body that then rose again from a grave that could not hold him, the same body that then kicked the devil to the curb because the devil had no hold over him, the same body that then empowered us with the Holy Spirit. We are that body. We are that body. We are Christ's body that went through a journey from baby in a manger to resurrected Savior. Do you know who we are? Do we know who we are? We are the body of Christ that has overcome everything that the devil has thrown at him. We've overcome. So why is it that we tear this body apart? As the church, why is it that there's this, this mindset where it's like, I can be a good Christian, but I can hate the church? Nobody, the Bible actually says, how, nobody hates their body. You feed your body. You rest your body. You stretch if you're Amanda. <laughs> One day, we are all going to be doing like a stretch session on a Sunday service. You just wait for it. It'll be Amanda's happy day. You care for your body. Yet for some reason, we've allowed the body to become something that as Christians, we crucify. When the point of the crucifixion was to restore the body. So how are we meant to leave a legacy if the legacy that we're leaving is a broken body of Christ? We need to understand who we are. If we read on, we read in Ephesians 5.21, it's a beautiful passage about husbands and wives. But there's a secret in it. Read this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. As Christ is the head of the church. See, this, see what's happening here? See the, the picture that is being painted between husband and wife and Christ in the church? 
of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This is the picture of husbands and wives that we are seeing as Christ and his bride. To present Christ's bride, the church, as holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become flesh. And read this. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. We read in this passage that how Christ views us is as his bride. As his bride. Maddie, can you come up here for a moment? <clears throat> can we get Matt a microphone? Is that all right? We need a microphone. Thank you. <laughs> Maddie, when did you get married? June 21st at 4 p.m. Um, can you please explain Amanda to us? Explain Amanda? Yeah, can you tell us about your wife? Yeah. Um, she is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me besides my salvation. I'm serious. She is beautiful. She's graceful. Um, she has a heart for the lost. She is um, a leader. She is so gracious with me, and she reflects um, God's character to me. And she makes me a better man. She's the apple of my eye. I know Ben says that about you, but I love that <laughs> line. But she is, she is uh, the better half of me. She makes me complete. And when she was walking down the aisle, what were <sighs> you thinking? That she was um, that much closer to me. She was about to be mine. And I also am almost re-feeling it right now because my heart rate was going like... 3,000 beats per minute. What was the weather like? <laughs> the only reason I know it was sunny is because it was beating on my face and it was blinding. But And like, how was like, everyone else in their seats? What was going on? What was the vibe outside of Amanda? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Maddie. Give Maddie a hand. <clears throat> When Amanda was walking down the aisle to Matt, he was not thinking about anything else, but like he said, all about how, what her proximity to him was. When, when Christ sees his bride, he's thinking about how close we are to him. What's our proximity to him? How beautiful she is. He, Jesus isn't going, ah, oh, the you know, like the sound's a little bit too loud or, or I don't really like that style of cut of dress on her or he's not picking her to pieces. Um, on Friday night I had, I had, it wasn't mine, it, my daughter had a sleepover. For, <laughs> it felt like it was mine. It was awesome. She turned seven, Alice, my daughter, she turned seven and so I said, you can have three friends over for a sleepover and um, it was magical. 
It was beautiful. These girls were dressing up in princess dresses. I bought Alice a karaoke microphone. It's like pink. And she has been like using that thing like nothing else. And they watched the movie Cinderella, the live action one, which, okay, I'm going to say this, and I don't care what your opinion is, is the best live action Disney yet created. Don't you reckon? Like, it's. Don't even talk to me about Beauty and the Beast, okay? Let's leave that. But Cinder no, Cinderella, 100% is the best live action Disney movie. And there's this scene in Cinderella where she comes down and she's this beautiful, beautiful image. She comes down in her mother's dress and, and it's, it's done up and she's done some work on it and, and she's there with her stepmother and her stepsisters and she looks stunning. And the stepmother comes over and we're like, well, you can't go into to a ball that everyone's been invited to with a dress that's ripped and she just rips her sleeve. And like then they just start pulling at her dress and pulling at her. And I think sometimes Christians can be the ugly stepsisters and the stepmother. I think sometimes we see this beautiful bride, the church, the body of Christ, and we go, well, I don't like that part, so... And we try to tear at her. And we try to rip her down. We were called to be the bride of Christ. We are called to be something that presents ourselves to Christ together. The Bible talks about we are... The body of Christ, we are many parts, but we are one body, with Christ being the head. It actually says Christ is the head. If we were to break it down into actually a body, Christ's the head. Some of you are like, oh, I'm the butt. Like, well, you know, everyone... <laughs> I was going to say, butt brings a lot of comfort when you're sitting on a hard seat, so... <laughs> Don't worry if you're the butt. You've got a place here in the body. <laughs> We're the booty church, yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but we're his bride. We're his bride. So why is it that we find it okay to tear his bride down? Why is it okay that as Christians we have our individualism, but when we come together we decide to tear at it? We decide to go, oh, I don't like the fact that Joel's got tattoos on his arm. Oh, I don't like the fact that Colin's wearing yellow socks with green pants. It's in the season, people. It's in the season. Why do, why, do we do this, why do we do this stuff in the church? Why do we do this stuff to his bride? Why do we start tearing it to pieces? We need to understand who we are. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride. So how do we love the bride? How do we actually live a life worthy of the calling that we have received as his bride, as his body? You're not going to find perfection here. This is why people get upset with the bride, with the church. Guess what? Because it's imperfect. It's like, well, we expected perfection. We are not perfect. It is because of our imperfection that Christ came to restore the bride, to bring the focus of the bride's beauty back in. So you're not going to find perfection in Ben. You're not going to find it in me. You're not even going to find it in Amanda. So why do we get upset when imperfection comes out? Why do we start pulling it to pieces? Why do we start saying, well, I deny the bride because of her imperfections? I can honestly tell you, Ben and my marriage, 10 years on, <clears throat> 10 years on, there's been a lot of imperfection in it. But because of a bad conversation or, or a tense moment, do I deny him? Do I turn my back on him? Do I say, well, we're not married anymore? That's just totally dramatic. Some people might. 
but that's not the way of having healthy relationship with your, with your groom or with your bride. That's not how God intended marriage to be. It intended it to be overcoming all those things, that the proximity of the bride was the focus. How close are we getting to Jesus? And is someone being the foot, holding the bride, getting closer to Jesus? What part are you playing? Whatever piece of the body that you find yourself to be, are you in step with the head? Are you in step with with Christ as the head of the body? So how do we love the bride? By leaving her a lasting legacy. That's why we're talking about legacy. We're talking about this because we actually love the bride. You should love the bride. You should love the church. If you don't love the church, then I would challenge you that maybe you're not living the life worthy of the calling you have received as a Christian. And maybe you need to start really thinking, God, what's going on? Why is it that I have this thing? Maybe God needs to do some heart work on you. But for you to fully live a life worthy of this calling, love his body. Legacy is about the next. When we talk about legacy, it's not about what we have right now. It's about what we're having in the next. What does the next look like? So why do we even talk about having a legacy as a church? Why are we even taking time to actually intentionally give into a legacy offering? Why? Because we are a church that believes in the next that we're not just staying on yesterday's miracles. See, for a legacy to happen, we, it actually requires miracles today. Yesterday's actions aren't merely enough to write a lasting legacy. No, it's in the everyday opportunities embraced in the everyday that we will leave our imprint on this world. I don't want our legacy to be purely a group of Aussies moved to Canada to plan a church. I don't even want it to be that we inherited a building. I don't want it to be that we got air conditioning in July 2019. I don't want it to be that we turned one. Those things all are pieces of the story, but it can't remain there. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they planted these stones across the Jordan River, and they said, these are our stones that when we look back, we remember the goodness of God. But I'm telling you, they didn't live there. They didn't pitch up their tents and decide to live amongst the stones. No, they then stepped into the promise that God had for them. They took a step every day that got them closer and closer to the purposes of God. We cannot live in yesterday's miracles, but how do we leave a legacy? One, by celebrating yesterday's miracles, by taking every single opportunity in today to make a way for tomorrow. We do not live in yesterday's miracles. So if you're calling on yesterday's miracles to be the testimony of of what God has done in your life, start asking God for a new miracle. Why not? We just expect miracles to rock up on our door and we don't actually ask for them. It's like, oh yeah, we can actually go to God, our Father, and ask and he will give us good things. So ask for miracles. What's a miracle that you need in your life? What's a miracle that we need as a church? As the body of Christ, what's the miracle? We need the city saved. So ask for a miracle. We need to start actually requesting from God the goodness that he actually has waiting for us. He's got all this good stuff and he's waiting to like pour it out, but we're not asking. So start asking for miracles. The great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. In, um, oh, I've totally forgotten the movie. Movie. You know the one with Robin Williams and he's Dead Poet Society. Brilliant movie. Very sad movie. But there's this, this phrase that he says, carpe diem, seize the day. 
How are we as the body of Christ seizing the day? We need to think about our legacy because we are writing it every day. We need to be intentionally thinking about it because every day that we live is a part of our legacy story. So are we seizing the day? I think about Susanna Wesley. Who knows who Susanna Wesley is? Susanna Wesley. (laughs) Yo. She's the mother of two boys. She had a lot of heartache in her life. She homeschooled these kids, a lot of kids. She had lost kids. She had a lot of kids that she loved on and that she sewed into, that she, she took over the word of God. And then from that, a revival. Charles Wesley, who knows who Charles Wesley is? From that, an expression of, of the bride was born. Her legacy is not one that we often celebrate, but it was, it's shown in the history books as everyday actions as a mother. Everyday moments. I was talking to someone and, they were, and I was like, what do you want to do when you, like, what, what's your, what do you want to do? What's, what do you feel called to be? Oh, I feel like being a mum, but I feel like that's lame. And I'm like, ah, oh, no way. I'm telling you, being a mum, being a parent, like, if you can nail that, if you can get that right, I tell you what, you're going to be birthing church changes, yeah. world changes, yeah. people that will pave the way for an expression of the gospel message of Christ that's never been seen before. Your legacy, no matter what it looks like, whatever you're doing today is a part of your legacy. Whether you're brewing coffee, whether you're selling shoes or cheap clothes from Urban Planet. I almost said that. (laughs) Whatever your everyday looks like, are you seizing the day? See, legacy is not just leaving something for people. It's leaving something in people. See, we're going to give up an offering on the 15th. We are, because as a church, we want to believe for the next. Whatever that next is. Whatever God has in store for us. But I don't want to be in the next and be like, oh, sorry, God, we uh, weren't prepared for that. I want us to be a church that's prepared to embrace the legacy that's prepared for the next. We've read so many times from Matthew the, um, Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you know what this speaks to? It speaks to God desiring an internal legacy for us, a legacy that outlasts this world. But the reality is where we lay our treasure is where our heart is. Our offering on the 15th should not just only deposit finances back into the kingdom, but it should deposit something greater within us. It should leave something for the kingdom, but it should leave something in us that we go, you know what, yeah, I have a heart for the bride. I have a heart for the body of Christ. And because of that, then I will place my treasure there. If you don't have a heart for the bride, if you don't have a heart for the body of Christ, you're not going to lay your treasure there. So if you have a mindset, well, I don't really want to give in to that, I'm going to ask you, challenge yourself. Is your heart for the bride? Is your heart for his body? Do you love 
his bride. We are his church. That's the funny thing. It's like, do you love the bride? Well, do you love yourself? Do you love the person next to you? Do you have a love for each other, for what we're doing in this city? Do you love that? Then lay your treasure there. That's what Jesus is saying. Put your treasure in where your love is. And I want you to love me. I want you to love the things of me, the the kingdom that I have created for you. It's this cycle. It's so funny. It's like we get funny about it because it's like, well, especially when it comes to like, like, tangible things, right? Um, Whether it's money, whether it's materialism, whatever it is, tangible things we get funny with because it's like something I can hold and control and manage. But it's like this cycle because Christ died for us to be his body and we as his body should love his body and sow in and put our treasure in his body so that we can then inherit the promises of his body. So it's like, it's funny because it's like, oh, I don't want to give to the church. You're giving to you. Do you understand that you're giving into, you're placing something into you? Do you understand that what you're partnering with is the body of Christ, which is you? But to fully embrace that inheritance, you have to have that understanding of who you are and you have to own who you are. We are better together. We say this all the time. We are. I don't want to grow a church of individualistic Christians who hate his church. What's the point in that? And I don't want to grow a church that then points at other churches and goes, well, I don't like, well, you're just pointing at the foot from the foot going, I don't like that foot, I don't like that foot. Guess what? There's going to be many different expressions of church. You're going to have foot church, you're going to have booty church. I can see the Avant Life memes page just like, (laughs) if you didn't know, a couple of our lovely team created an Avant Life memes page. So you can follow that on Instagram if you like. Anything offensive will be pulled down, won't it, Aiden and Josh? (laughs) No, okay. But why do, we, why do we pull apart the church? I'm not just talking about our church. You should love our church. If you don't love our church, maybe go find another church. If you don't like it, don't be here. Like, it's like, why go to a party that you hate? Like, and this is, the, this is the cool party. So if you don't like this church, then we love you. Find a church that you love. But don't pull this church apart. And why do we pull other churches apart? Why do we go, yeah, but they do worship this way? I'm like, who cares? They've got people gathering, they've got people meeting, they've got people loving Jesus. Shouldn't we be working about what our proximity as the whole body of Christ is to Jesus? But it's like, oh, Avant Life Booty Church is, is, is not letting, say, Anglican Church move forward. It's like, oh my goodness, people, let's work as a functioning body. Let's get disciplined. Proverbs speaks to wisdom. Get wisdom, get understanding. Why? So you have discipline. We need to be disciplined as the body of Christ. Why does Amanda stretch? Because she wants her body to be effective in all that she has to do. So we need to get that same discipline within our spirit when it comes to our language about the body of Christ. Stop tearing her down. Start lifting her up. And not just stop tearing her down. We do need to stop proclaiming how beautiful she is. We need to be like Matt with Amanda. You're breathtaking. You're amazing. She's amazing. She's the better half, the apple of my eye. We need to be like that. If you hang out with Matt, within like a minute, you'll hear about his wife. 
It's true, isn't it? Maddie's like, it's all right, Maddie. <laughs> and then he's like, yes, I love you. We need to be like Matt with Amanda. We need to be loving the church. So that means we need to be leaving her something. We need to be investing into her. I can tell you, when Amanda walked down the aisle, she wore a beautiful, I can assure you, she wore a beautiful dress. She looked stunning. She was beautiful, is beautiful. But I'm telling you, there was an investment into that dress. There was an investment into preparing her for the groom. We read about it in the story of Esther, where she spends time preparing herself for the king, spending time in preparation. But we've gotten into a mindset, well, I'll just chuck that on and be okay with Jesus. God wants us to be disciplined in how we come to him, how we prepare this body of Christ to him. I'm not talking about what you wear, but I am talking about what your heart looks like as the church, how, what disposition we have when it comes to presenting ourselves to him. We read about the generosity of the Macedonian church in Acts. Let me tell you, my dear family, about the grace which God has given to the Macedonian churches. Listen to this. They've been sorely tested by suffering, but the abundance of grace which was given to them and the depths of poverty they have endured have overflowed in a wealth of sincere generosity on their part. I bear them witness that of their own accord, up to their ability, and even beyond their ability, they begged us eagerly to let them have the privilege of sharing in the work of services for God's people. This is a church that had come through a moment of poverty where they financially, the dollars didn't look big, right? They weren't well off. They begged to be a part of something, to invest into something. Not because they were thinking about their finances, not because they were thinking about what do we get out of this, but what do we get in us from being a part of this. We want to be a church that is begging God to be a part of stuff. God, we want to be involved. We want to have an opportunity. We want to sow into things. Let us be a church like the Macedonians that no matter what our trials, our circumstances look like, we overcome to have a generous spirit that sows into the next. They probably didn't benefit right away from a tangible expression of their finances. But I tell you what, they benefited in spirit. It speaks about it. I want to be someone that is so open-handed with what God has given to me that through my trials, through my poverty, that that attitude in my heart doesn't shift and doesn't change. So when we partner our giving into our legacy, we're not only partnering our finances, but more more important, we are engraving in our foundation a greater vision, a greater purpose, a greater sense of community, a greater sense of generosity, a greater passion, a greater identity, greater strength, greater move in this city. That's what we're partnering with. I'm not partnering my dollar with your dollar. I'm partnering into the greater for the next. That's our heart. God desires an eternal legacy for us. Where is our treasure? Where is it that we place the things that we hold most dear? I can tell you right now, for Ben, he treasures me. I know, why? Because he bought me these shoes. 
They're nice, aren't they? You can have a look. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Jana has the same ones, but in black, so we're going to organise and orchestrate a time to wear them together. Why do I know that I'm his treasure? He sews into me. Yes, he buys me nice things. I like getting things. <laughs> but I tell you what, he like loves on me. He speaks how much he loves me, how much I'm his best friend. Like he's like overwhelming me with his words. You're like, who Ben? And I'm like, oh yeah. My husband. He treasures me. He has a heart for me. He sews into me. How Ben views me, do you view the church? How do you put value on the bride? I'm going to ask the team to come up. So why are we actually choosing to take up an offering? Because of our next. Well, what does that look like, Pastor Emma? It's our next. The logistics of where things go will change over time, but our next is not a matter of where finances lay. It's where your heart lays with the things that God has placed in your life. Does your heart beat for his bride? Does your legacy actually create space for others to learn from your faith? Love the bride. Love her. Value her. Know that you are her. Speak highly of her. Sow into her. Don't be someone who's a Christian that hates your body. Be someone that is a Christian who loves the body, all pieces of the body, all parts of the body. Lift her up. When your body is injured or hurt, protect it. Heal it. Spend time nurturing it. Don't cut it off. Spend time caring for it. I've seen so many times in my life where people have had a bad encounter with church or a bad encounter with somebody, and because of that bad encounter, they burn the bridge. Well, let's lay waste to that. I'll forget about that. But to cross over a bridge doesn't mean you need to burn it. We actually need to take the time to build as a church. Yes, Avant Life and North Shore Churches, Vancouver Churches, people are lifting the name of Jesus up. We need to make the body of Christ move closer to him. Why don't you stand, church? <coughs> Benjamin Franklin said this, if you would not be forgotten as soon as you were dead, either write something worth reading or do something worth writing. Let's do both. Let's partner the spirit that you have within you with the spirit of his bride. And let's do something. Let's do something worthy of the calling we have received. It's a great calling. It's a wonderful calling to be the bride of Christ. It's a wonderful calling to be his you know what Christ's legacy is? It's you. It's me. It's us. We are the legacy of Christ. And as Tony Stark, as we see in the movie Iron Man, as he looks at Yinsen who's dying, Tony says, thank you for saving me. Yinsen says, don't waste it. 
don't waste your life. We've all been saved from death. We've all been saved from a condemned life. Let's not waste it. Let's not waste it. Let's worship, church. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.